What's up, guys? Welcome to another Five Out podcast. Uh, we're talking about all all things NBA. The NBA season started yesterday. We're recording on a Wednesday, the 23rd, uh, a couple days before Christmas. We're going to talk about some college basketball as well. I've got Robin with me and a special guest, Jacob Salazar, has joined us today to fill in for some of the other guys. Uh, we've known Robin, we've known Jacob for years now. Uh, we know he can talk basketball. We always play him in fantasy basketball. He always seems to do good. He's a crazy trade guy. Um, yep. So he'll have some crazy takes for us today, uh, which should be fun and interesting. But we're going to start off with some questions to start off this episode. Uh, Robin, I'm going to go to you first, sir. We're talking, it's Christmas time, so I got to ask you a Christmas question. What are your top three all-time Christmas movies? All right. All time. Let's see. I'm going to get interesting here. Number one, Office Christmas Party. Interesting. You know, Olivia Munn is in there, Jason Bateman. Nice classic comedy. The second one, got to go with Polar Express. Bringing it back to the old days. And then the last one's kind of shock, y'all. Iron Man 3. <laughs> you did not just say Iron Man 3 is a Christmas movie, Rob. I'm about to kick you off of this. <laughs> hey, all I'm saying is at the end of the movie, Tony makes all of his suits blow up and the Christmas music starts. It's tis the season. Tis the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Sure it is. Sure it is. All right, Jacob, what are your top three? I think mine are a little bit more traditional than Robin's. <laughs> I'd go, um, number one, my personal favorite is the Polar Express. I know Rob had that his uh, that was in his top three as well. Um, and then I'll go National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I think that one's hilarious too. Oh. And then my third's probably The Grinch. I mean, that's just, I just love The Grinch, so. Now, when you talk about The Grinch, are you talking about the Jim Carrey version or... Like the, the the super old one that's only like twenty six minutes long. <laughs> I'm talking about the Jim Carrey version. Okay. If it's not the Jim Carrey version. I'm not watching it. Agreed. Agreed. I think that's the that's the best one by far. Um, but yes, yeah, not a bad list. My list is actually very similar to yours, Jacob. Starting off for me at three, Christmas Vacation, classic, super funny, um, hilarious. Number two, Polar Express. It's the only movie that I can watch now as, as an adult and actually still feel like a kid. It takes me back to the, the days, you know, before Christmas break when we're all sitting on like a Friday watching the Polar Express, uh, having a hot chocolate. And then my number one movie, and this is partially because I'm from the state of Indiana, has got to be Christmas Story. It's a disgrace that neither of you guys thought of this movie, <laughs> but it is the ultimate classic movie. Um, and it just, I mean, I, I never, I've never experienced Christmas in Indianapolis. But uh, that's what I assume it would be like back in the day. My parents told me that's what Christmas was very similar to that. So I got to imagine that's what it would be like. But those are my top three. Now, we're going to go to a trivia question. I don't expect Rob or Jacob to get this one. But maybe, I don't know. Rob, Rob's a smart guy. Rob knows a lot of things. So does Jacob. They're both very smart. What player has the most career personal fouls ever? Ever? Like, in their entire career, who has the most personal fouls? Well, they could be retired now. Yeah, they could be retired. This is, like, the entire NBA. Uh, I'll give you guys some hints after a couple guesses, and then we'll, I'll try to see if you guys can get it. All right, you got it, Jacob. <laughs> oh, man, I'm trying to think of, like, it has to be somebody who played for a while, I feel like. But 
like just off the top of my head, I feel like I guess, um, however you refer to him, Ron Artest or Metal World Peace. That's my first guess, just off the top of the head. That's incorrect. That's a good guess, though. That that was that's probably where I would go first with this thought. All right. What about Ben Wallace? Another great guess, but it is not Ben Wallace. Um, let's see. Uh this player played in the 70s and the 80s. Hmm. He played in both eras. He might have even played in the 90s, honestly. Well, Rodman? Not Rodman. No, sir. He didn't play in the 70s. He played in the 80s and 90s. This player, I think, played in the 70s, 80s, and maybe in the early 90s. Hmm. That's, that's, almost, that's almost 30 years of guessing right there. <laughs> Years. He played for two franchises. Only two? Only two. I believe. Yes, only two. Only two. He's got a famous shot in the NBA. Oh, is it Kareem? It's Kareem Abdul Jabbar. I mean, you guys said it right. It's got to be someone who's played long. My initial thoughts were were one of the Wallace guys, Rashid or Ben. But when I read this, I said, oh, my gosh. This, I mean, it makes sense. He had 4,657 fouls in his entire career. Jeez. So, yeah, but, dude. Man. I know you all saw that clip of him punching somebody back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> well, part of me was confused because I feel like nowadays you get more fouls called just because you touch someone and that's a foul. Or back then you could clothesline someone and they'd be like, play on. <laughs> so, uh-huh. So a little confused by it, but yeah, that's our trivia question. If you guys knew it, hey, props to you. But I that that was a tough one. I I made it tough on you guys today. Um, But let's get into this NBA action. We had obviously opening day last night, exciting times. Um, The shortest offseason ever in NBA history, or actually in any sports history of like 70 days. Um, But it was nice to see the guys back on the court and playing in their home arenas. Let's start off with this Brooklyn Nets game versus Warriors. Uh, kind of a blowout. So, Robin, I'm going to go to you first. What are your thoughts, uh, just initial thoughts of the entire game as a whole? Man, Steph needs some help. The dude is doing everything for that team. No Draymond. Obviously, going up against KD and Kyrie the first game of the season, throwing James Wiseman in the mix, no preseason action. I mean, it was expected but, I mean, they don't have Claire Dre, so what can we do? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, watching it, I will say Wiseman had 19-6. and six. Very surprising. I was very pleased by that. But, yes, he needs a lot of help because um, Wiggins and, and Oubre were not there. Um, I'm going to go to you for this, Jacob. How did Irving and Durant look as a duo? I was pretty surprised, to be honest. Um I mean, I thought they looked pretty good together. Um, KD didn't look like he was phased at all. I mean, obviously he had a couple warm-ups with the preseason. But, I mean, I think overall on offense, they're just going to be really dynamic. They have potential to be the best offense in the NBA. Um, and then, I mean, the most surprising thing to me was Levert coming off the bench just completely sparked him again. It's like you just got a second wave of offense coming off the bench. So I thought overall they looked really good. Yeah, they looked like the front runner in the East after this game. Now, obviously, it's one game. Everyone's going to overreact to it. But having three players score 20 points, uh, and, and the crazy thing is I was sitting watching this game with with, uh, with Josie, actually, and he asked me, he said, did the Nets make the playoffs last year? And I said, 
yeah, they were the sixth seed, I, I, if I remember correctly, and they didn't even have Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant the whole year. Um, this Nets team is is very scary. I, I, I'd be scared uh, if I was in. Now, I didn't even know they had Jeff Green, and that might not sound like a big signing, but, like, Jeff Green is a solid bench player for this team. Uh, they have Jared Allen and Andre Jordan. I mean, it's 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 very scary to to look at this team and think they're they're now a hundred percent, and we're kind of seeing what they wanted to. And I mean, I don't know if Steve, what Steve Nash is like insides had on anything, but Jacob, are you worried about this Warriors roster and what they're going to be able to provide? Man, it's it's not good right now. I mean, like Robin said, it's basically Steph against the world right now. Um, when you have Wiggins and Ubre as your second and third scorer, I mean, I can't even – I probably could count on one hand how many threes they hit last night, which is what the Warriors are known for. And, I mean, it just – I was looking for Ubre to fill that Clay Thompson role, but obviously it's hard to fill for somebody who's arguably the second, maybe third best shooter of all time. So they definitely lose some of their offensive potency. I mean, they're, they're athletic and everything, but overall it's not looking good. Does the addition of Draymond Green, Jacob, change this this team, or do you think it they're still going to be in 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 the hunt for like a, a low playoff seed? I mean, I think they're going to be fighting for for the last spot right now. To be honest, I mean, even with Draymond, it's like he's a good glue guy, great playmaker, but what they need right now is offense, yeah. and he's playmaking and defense. So he might help on the defensive end, but. Man, it's going to be tough to keep up with a team like KD and Kyrie, who they can combine easily for 60, 70 points just them two. Yeah, and, and I mean, in a, in a league where you where – you, what, the averages have gone up like 20 points. Like most teams are averaging 120 points a game now. The Warriors don't even hit 100 in opening night. Yeah, it, it might be a long season for them now. I'm not going to give – I'm not going to blow it up on the Warriors now and they need to, they need to call the shots or call the Wolves or whatever, but um, – who was who Robin? Do you know who number 95 was for the Warriors last night? I have no idea. I've never heard that person, never seen him Juan? in my life. Ronald yeah. Anderson? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just saw him play a couple of years, like last year, whenever garbage time minutes, no Steph, no Clay. Michael Mulder. Yeah, they, they had some players that I've never seen before <laughs> playing for yeah. him. Uh, it was cool to see Kent, uh, Baysmore. I love Baysmore. I think he'll be awesome for that team once he kind of finds his role. Uh, just like a Levert, a spark off the bench who can get hot instantly. But um, I, I don't know. I They're going to have a, a tough time finding offense this year if, if Steph's their only answer. But it was the first game of the year. Yep. Were there any surprises in this game besides Levert that kind of you guys were like, you know, hey, these guys are really good? Or was it, or was it kind of just everyone knew what was going to happen? <laughs> I mean, uh, I was pretty, like, surprised that the Brooklyn Nets – garbage time unit has had playoff experience before mm-hmm. like just the conception of that their bench players have had playoff experience and then now you add Kevin and Kyrie hmm it's a lot of buckets to go around I don't know I feel like some players are still in the uh talks for Mr. Harden don't know how they're gonna do that after that performance yesterday considering it doesn't mm-hmm. look like they need Harden yeah but because let's say Jared Allen has been in the net on the nets for a while now younger than DeAndre Jordan but he doesn't start because Kyrie and KD like DeAndre so that just makes me think obviously they have some kind of hold on the front office 
if Kevin ultimately says, hey, I want my boy James back with me, I guarantee you the young players have no say in that one. Yeah, and I, I think that would hurt the Nets' playoffs. So I, 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 I think having guys like Dinwiddie, Lavert, Allen, even Champing, or I don't know. I mispronounced everyone's name. Landry Shamit. I don't Shamit. know. Yeah. I don't even know if I said it right. But having guys like that come off the bench is great, and you lose them just for a guy who can, you know. I mean, James Harden is, is a great talent, but I, I don't know. It, it'll it'll be tough to kind of see. But um, that was the the earlier game. I mean, Brooklyn. It wasn't a game from the start. Brooklyn came out and, and stomped them. But the battle of LA was kind of similar in the first quarter, and then the Lakers came back in the sec second and made it kind of a game. Jacob, what were your overall thoughts on this Battle of L.A. game? Man, at the start of the season, to me, I mean, I don't want to say LeBron and AD don't care, but they didn't look like they were interested last night. That was the quietest game I've seen from Anthony Davis in a long time. What did he finish with, like, 18 points? Yeah, like 18 he, and 7, yeah. It just – that was the biggest thing that stood out to me um, was that the Lakers just looked kind of flat. I mean, they're two superstars. I don't want to say they had an off night. They just – the intensity wasn't there. Um, but I will say um, their new acquisitions of Schroeder and Montrez, I thought they both looked really good. And I, th I think everyone knew Montrez was going to come play uh, his best game against the Clippers. Uh, it's just unfortunate that the Clippers – I think the Clippers wanted to prove a point, and like, I, I think I agree with you. I don't think the, the Lakers really cared about this game. I think they were kind of just like, we still, we're still in off-season mode. I don't think they were 100% ready to come back besides uh, some, of those, some of those new acquisitions. I mean, Gasol didn't even score a point last night, so I don't I don't know how much he actually played off the top of my head, but I just know he did not score a point. And my fantasy team was hurt because AD didn't play, or he didn't play, he didn't have his best game that he's used to having. So uh, my fantasy team got hurt like that. But playoff P did not come to play last year in the bubble, but he came to play in this game. Robin, your thoughts on this Clippers team? Dude, they're dangerous, like always. I just think. If they have to play them in the playoffs, it will be a bit different. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just think the Lakers and the Heat specifically this season, they have like no incentive to go all out starting this week. Like they can use these next couple of weeks as training camp, considering teams like the Warriors or who didn't make the bubble last season. Mm -hmm. They got the freshest legs ever. So I don't think Jimmy Butler, LeBron, AD are really looking to put their minutes up this year. I mean, I just assume from a general management standpoint, it's the best thing to do for your superstars. I mean, who cares about what LeBron and Anthony Davis do game one, game two? It all matters near the end of the season whenever the playoffs are about to start. Yeah. Hey, we'll, we'll gonna... oh, I was just going to add on to that. Um, the thing about them not really being invested in the regular season, I think depending on whether they find out if there's going to be another bubble situation or if they're actually going to start having crowds, there's not really an incentive for the Lakers to be a top seed because yep. if they're not going to get any home court games for the playoffs, there's not really a purpose to it. hundred percent agree. I, I, I definitely think that the Lakers and, and the heat playing as much as they did this summer and not having as much time off, whereas the Clippers got bounced in the, in the uh, semis of the conference finals or the conference uh, playoffs. So I, I I just see the, the Clippers wanting to make a point this year and trying to sweep the Lakers, but I think the Lakers are a better team. Uh, I mean, the Clippers are still deep, though. They, they lost some guys, but Zubak, I think Zubak is very underrated, but I think the addition of uh, Ibaka makes them 
just as good with like they it's like they replaced Harrell, but just a lesser version of him. Not as good on offense, but I think he's a little bit better on defense. Uh Luke Kennard. Luke Kennard is a good addition. I've already talked about Nicholas Batoon on here. I think he's a very underrated addition to this team. Patrick Peterson. Uh they brought back Reggie Jackson. I mean, the team's good. I just I don't think they're as good as the Lakers. And to your point, Jacob, if there's no fans, the Lakers could care less about playing at home. So, yeah. and that, that was going to bring my next question is how important do you guys think playoff seating is? Um, because you talk about this team, they can take minutes off, they can take days off, games off. But, you know, potentially if you're the one seed, I mean, in the West, it might be a little bit tough because you're still playing a tough team at that, at that eight seed. But, how important is playoff seeding in the NBA playoffs, Robin? Um, I guess for some teams, it's really important because you don't want to get stuck in a matchup that's not favorable to you. Um, I would not want the Mavs to play the Clippers again. I mean, especially if KP is not playing, just because they're going to rough us up again. Just Luke is going to have the ball every possession. He's going to get fouled. Get some frustration. You're going to see Pat Bev clapping, Marcus Morris clapping, all that smack talk. So, I mean, I think it's important for, like, the matchup, but because no fans don't have to worry about getting a high seed for home court, it's just mainly matching up with the team you want to try to play in the first round. Now, if there are fans, Jacob, where do you think what, – what place is the toughest place to go and play? As in, like, with the fans, the atmosphere, what's the toughest place in the NBA to play a playoff game? Toughest place? Yeah. I, I mean, kind of biased, but I, w- I would say it's not Oracle Arena anymore, but that was really good. Yeah. I think I think the Staples, Staples Center would be really tough to play in, okay. especially with the Lakers coming off a championship, just how excited everybody in that city is. Oh. I think that would be a pretty big deal. I think, and I think it'd be super cool if the Lakers and Clippers, that's what everyone wanted was them to play each other in the, like the, in, in a playoff game, obviously everyone wanted to do it in the finals in the Western conference finals, but any playoff game, it'd be cool to see the Lakers and the Clippers play. Um, that'd be cool. Now I want to hear you guys' thoughts <clears throat> on the rings for the Lakers and what they've got. This, this ring was, was very centered around Kobe Bryant, obviously. Um, Robin, do you have any thoughts on how the ring looked like? Man, I mean, I don't think I'll ever have enough money to buy a ring <laughs> of that kind. So, like, it's not in my wheelhouse or anything, but I've never seen that many, like, diamonds in my life. They even went deep down. Like, they engraved, like, uh, Kobe's jerseys with, like, snake print or something, just like the jerseys they wore in the bubble. Yep. That was cool. And then I know they wrote, like, in cursive, this is for you, Kobe. So, I mean, it's clear that ring was specifically for Mr. Bryant and his family. Yeah, and it was a super pretty ring. And I'm pretty sure you could take off the the top part of it and had, like, all the retired jerseys of of Lakers players. So, yeah. uh, really cool. And, I mean, being a Kobe fan, I mean, it was, it was cool to see that and it's cool to see them honor them. And, obviously, I think everyone knew that they were winning this ring for Kobe. But that does it for opening night. Let's take a quick look into today's actions. We've got a ton of games being played. Um, LaMelo Ball's first game against the Cavs. Probably not going to be a game you want to tune into, but if you want to watch LaMelo play his first game, go ahead, be my guest. 
the Knicks and the Pacers play. Again, not a good game. But for me, being a Pacers fan, I love to see the Pacers beat on the Knicks. The Bucks and Celtics play, which should be a really good game. That's on TNT at 6.30. You guys just thought to who you think might come out on top on that one. Jacob? I like the Celtics, personally. Um, even though they don't have Kimba, I mean, I'm not, I haven't been a huge fan of Kimba on the Celtics. Obviously, he's a good playmaker on the offensive end. But I just think the Celtics match up well against them. The addition of Drew Holiday will be interesting. So it, it'll definitely help him on the defensive end. I like the Celtics. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think Robin likes the Celtics as well. Um, I, it'll be interesting because I think Giannis wants to come out and have a big game because he wants to prove that, hey, I'm worth, I'm worth the money, even though he already has two MVPs. Um, the Pelicans-Raptors is a low-key, like, good game. Uh, two good teams. I, I like the Pelicans this year. I don't know why. I think Zion's going to come out and have a very, very underrated season. And I think he people are going to, like, talk about him being in the MVP race, but he's not going to be in the top five, if that makes sense. He's going to have MVP numbers, but because of the Pelicans and the team, that they, and like, I don't think they're going to have a great year. But I think he's, he's going to have a really good statistic year. Um, Raptors are always a, a tough team. Uh, potentially one of the worst games ever, the Thunder and the Rockets, because I don't think the Rockets are going to have anyone suit up. And the Thunder already traded away everyone besides Al Horford. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know how that game's going to go. Uh, Hawks, Bulls, just to see the Hawks' new look will be cool. Um, and then the probably actually the best game of opening week or maybe of the opening two days, the Mavericks and Suns play uh, at 9.30 on ESPN. Now the Mavericks, and you guys know this being Mavs fans, Mavs always have a tough time playing the Suns, especially in Phoenix. So we'll see. And it's a new-look Phoenix team. This team, I think the Phoenix Suns are going to be a top-six team in the West uh, and surprise some, surprise some cats. Uh, but I think that might actually be the best game of the opening weekend. Um, but, yeah, so that that's kind of opening weekend. And then since we, have, we don't have any other games to talk about, we're going to be ranking – uh, each position group and are giving our top five, you know, point guard, shooting guard, uh, small forward, power forward, center. I know it's kind of tough because a lot of these players we were talking about before, you know, where do they fit in this category? Are they this player or this position, this position? The top guys, Giannis is a power forward. LeBron's a, LeBron is a small forward. James Harden is a shooting guard. And Luca is a point guard. Let's, let's clear that up for everyone listening at home. Um, but yeah, there, there's going to be some guys that are going to be flexible. I mean, where do you put AD? Is he a power forward center? I would say he's a power forward because he's made the Lakers start a center next to him uh, when he was on the Pelicans and it was a little bit different, but that's kind of how we're going to play it here. But Rob, I'm going to start with you, sir. I want you to rank the top five. Do you want to start at center or power or point guard? I'll let you, I'll let you pick that, sir. Point guard, point guard. Okay. So start, give me your top five at the point guard position. All right, top five for this season. Um, this doesn't necessarily have to do with numbers or stats, I guess. It's just top five who I think overall, I don't know, has the best numbers, best performance, plus minus for their team, record or whatever. And then I'm also keeping in mind like the context of who, who are their teammates. So, Number one, got to go with the best shooter of all time. Mankind's existence. Nobody has put a ball in the rim better than this guy. <laughs> Nobody ever. Okay. And then I think number two, this is a toss up, man. 
uh, I like, ah, man. After last night's performance, I might have to put Kyrie, but oh, last year barely did anything. All right, I'm, I'm going with Mr. Luka Doncic as my number two point guard. And then I'll go Damian Lillard, Kyrie Irving, and then Trey Young as number five. A nice surprise, a nice surprise. Jacob, do you, what's your list look like? All right, I guess I'll go in order two from one through five on the point guards. I'd say the top two are the same for me, Steph and Luka. I mean, those are my two favorite players in the NBA. So I'd go Steph at one and Luka at two. I mean, just – I like Damian Lillard more than Kyrie. Like, I know Kyrie's super crafty and he can score, but I just – Damian Lillard is just trying to catch up to Steph. As they're trying to see you can shoot the ball further back. So <laughs> I think that'll be entertaining to watch. So I'll go Dame at three, Kyrie at four. And then my, my number five was a toss-up. I actually had Trey Young and Russell Westbrook right next to each other. And I was trying to decide which one I go with, but I think I'd go with Westbrook. I think he's going to be really good next to Bradley Beal, assuming they don't trade him. Yeah. But I think that's going to be a good backcourt. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I like that list. I like that list. My list kind of similar. I mean, I honestly, and this is preseason, so we'll kind of do the same thing at the end of the season. Um, but I think Steph is number one, but if Luca has an MVP year, I can easily see him being the number one point guard at the end of the season. Uh, I, I, I'm not a Mavs fan. I, I dislike Dallas sports, um, but Luca looks like he's about to be the next face of the NBA. So I'll go Steph one, Luca two. And then I like Dame Lillard at three. Uh, I think he is probably the, he might be the best scorer uh, on this, on the, maybe on all lists besides Kevin Durant. Like, he might just be the best pure scorer in the NBA at number two uh, behind Kevin Durant. And this might be a little disrespectful to Kyrie Irving. I just don't like him. I don't think he plays much. But I'm going to put him at five. And then I'm actually going to put Trey Young at, at four for me. I, I, I love what he's done with the Hawks. And I, I just think he's, he's – I think he's, he was better, at, at, better than Steph at the age he is now. Uh, he obviously plays for a little bit worse of a franchise, but um, in my opinion, I'll put Trey at four and I'll put Kyrie at five. I just don't, I don't like Kyrie as a person. So I guess that's why <laughs> I ranked him that low. Uh, I just not, not a fan of him. Um, let's go to shooting guards next. Jacob, who are your shooting guards? Well, I think number one isn't really a question. As long as James Harden is playing, he, I think he's the best scorer in the NBA. I mean, obviously him and Kevin Durant, can kind of fight over that, but I'd go James Harden at one. My number two, I'd actually, I really like Devin Booker. I'd probably put him at number two. Um, number three, I've, I think I'd go Jimmy Butler over Bradley Beal, just because what Jimmy Butler can do both ways. Like, I think Bradley Beal is definitely a better offensive player, but I think Jimmy just going both ways, I'd rather have him. Then I'd go Beal at four. And I'd actually go Donovan Mitchell at number five. I mean, I think he's the new mm. face of the franchise for Utah. And I think he could easily – not easily, but I think he could get close to 30 points per game. Yeah, I, I definitely I definitely agree. Uh, I'll, go, I'll go next, Rob. Um, James Harden's number one, obviously. I, he, he, so he's funny to watch because he literally, he literally has a beer gut. And, you, and we all know where he's been the night before, and he comes out and drops 45 uh, and makes – him and Luke are kind of similar, in my opinion, where they – they aren't very fast, 
but they can just get to the spots super easy. So yeah, I, I got to put him at one. Now, healthy Clay, easy number two, but he's obviously unhealthy, so I'm going to leave him off my list. Therefore, um, I agree with you. I'm actually going to go Devin Booker at two. I think what he does, I mean, first of all, getting 70 points in a game, being the third third person, or being like, I think he's third on that list and the most points scored in a game, or if not third, he's like top five or something. That's incredible. Uh, and I think his numbers are only going to go up, which is crazy to think with Chris Paul on his, on, on his team. So give me him at two. Um, Bradley Bill and CJ McCollum are three and four for me, and they're interchangeable in my opinion. I, I just I love watching CJ play. He he's so smooth with the ball, um, and I, he just score. And I feel bad because he does play with Dame, who they both. But if he played on a different team, I think he'd be a little bit higher. But since he plays uh, with Dame, I got to put him at. I'll put him at the four, and I'll put Beal at the three because I think Beal is just Beal's Beal's dominant. And then five is tough because I want to put my man Victor there. But he hasn't done it for two. He hasn't done it for a long time. He's only been. He only had one year where he's been good, and he's been hurt the other years. And even before that, he really wasn't good on the Magic and the Thunder. So I, I have a hard time putting him there. So I will put um, the same guy you put at five and with Donovan Mitchell, because I think you're right. In the next couple of years, he'll be a top shooting guard, and he could contend for that top spot. Robin, who are your top five sirs? So no Jimmy Butler as a shooting guard for you. I was going to put him at small forward, honestly. And I, and I understand what you guys say. And, and like I said, that this is where it kind of differs because he – and I almost had the same thing with Jamal Murray. I almost wanted to put him at a shooting guard as well. But he is a point guard. Jimmy, in my opinion, is a small forward, but I, but he also is a shooting guard too. So that, that's why I did not put him on my list. I thought you were just going to disrespect Jimmy Butler like that for no reason. No. Well, I kind of <laughs> wanted to because what he did to the Pacers in the playoffs last year. So I figured that's what it was. A part of me, a part of me wanted to, but then I was like in my head, the dude, the dude. It, now this might have just been his days back when he played for the Bulls, but he was a shooting guard when he was on the Bulls, kind of the two most. And now since as he's transitioned to the, and it's partially because the the NBA has turned into such a fluid league when it comes to positions. There are no positions. We really shouldn't be ranking the top five or the like top twenty players, but that's tougher to do. So, Robin, give me your top five shooting guards. All right. So without Jimmy buckets, I'll go. No, you, with... Hey, put put Jimmy buckets in the shooting guard. That's fine. Oh, yeah. This is my. This is, we didn't talk about every single player, but he he right, he can right. be a shooting guard. He can be a shooting guard. All right, Harden, numero uno. He's simply too good at the game of basketball. He can roll out of bed, drop 40, doesn't matter. And then uh, I got to give it to uh, Jimmy Buckets after the bubble performance. Really impressive going up against the juggernauts in L.A. Um, I would say that his teammates are not as good as LeBron or Anthony Davis. So he was definitely outmanned, but... That one game, game five, that was impressive. Very impressive. Number three, Booker or Beal, man. You can't go wrong. I guess I'll have to go with Beal just because he's older, more experienced, yada, yada, yada. And then Booker right after, right after that. And then I am going to put Levine at number five. Get my man out of Chicago. Why are you putting Levine at five? I got I got another reason. <laughs> the dude has the potential of a lord, dude. If you drop that guy in 1970, he's Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. 
Nobody has seen somebody jump like that and fly like that. If you drop that guy in the 1970s, man. So are you going to are you going to put Aaron Gordon in your power forwards because of that? Levine's a good player, but uh, I mean, I definitely think he's a top like eight shooting guard in the league, and he's number eight for me. But I, top five, Rob, come on, you you put him over CJ. He's stuck in Chicago. What do you want him to do? <laughs> I mean. He played in Minnesota for a couple of years. I mean, was he really that good in Minnesota? Uh, he was a young developer, <laughs> the young cat. Now yeah. he is more mature. So with his game, I'm, I've always been questionable about a shot. Does that worry you? Like his jump shot? Or is it, it, have you seen improvement since he's been in Chicago? Um, I mean, he's definitely improved as a jump shooter. Also, I think he had surgery, so he wasn't jumping as much. So he worked on a lot on his shot. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not saying he's like gonna. He shouldn't be the number one player on a team. Yeah, because like that's what he is in Chicago, and they're not gonna do anything. If he's number two or number three, I think that's an X factor. Because right now he he doesn't have help. I mean, he has too many youngins. It seems like they or it seems like Zach is a little too old for the rest of the group. I don't know. It seems like he needs more than just this rebuild. Yeah. For sure. I mean, we'll see. Maybe he can land on a team that gives him a contender, but I doubt it. Uh, but let's move on to the small fours. I'll go ahead and start this one. Uh, I feel like I might get murdered for this, but uh, I'm just kidding. I'm putting LeBron James at number one in the small forward position. Um, I, I mean, after what he did last year and just he's been the MVP in the NBA for probably, you know, last time he won, I think it was what, 2012, 2013. He's probably won the MVP, like, without actually winning the award, like, five of those years since then or something like that. Or you know, So, he, he's the best player in the league. And even though he's, like, 30-something, 30 36, 38, something like that, I don't know, uh, he'll, he'll still dominate when he actually plays a full game and plays the LeBron way. <sighs> Number two, Jimmy Buckets, because of what he did in the bubble. And, like, he, and like same, same reasons why Robin said uh, what he did is why I'm putting him at number two. And it's kind of a stretch. Or not a stretch. It's kind of a – it's a very close race between him and Kawhi, obviously. Kawhi, in some people's mind, is the best player in the NBA. Um, but I think they're tripping because he does too much load management, in my opinion. But I'll put Jimmy at two for sure. Uh, and I think – and it'll be interesting to see what he, him and the Heat do this year. I think he found his team for the future uh, with the Heat because I think they love the way he plays. And then Kawhi at three, obviously. I mean, he's – defensive guy like he's 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 great uh I love watching him play whenever he does actually play the full game uh and then number four is Jason Tatum I mean he and he even for me is at the potential to be a number two player in in in, in the small forward realm uh I think he's he's about to have an MVP year as well and then I'm gonna put I'm thinking because I don't know if I should Never mind. I'm going to put Brandon Ingram at five for me. I, I like the way he scores. He's super smooth to watch. He, he reminds me of a young KD. And if he can put on a little bit more muscle and, and is a little bit more consistent, the Pelicans and, and Zion can be very dangerous in years to come if they stay healthy. So that's, that's my top five. Rob, I'm going to go to you next for your top five at the small forward position. All right. LeBron... And then, oh, 
So I, I guess because he was hurt last year, I have to put Kawhi above him, but you forgot Mr. Durant. Uh, okay, I redid my list. Durant's at number two. <laughs> Dude, I for, I totally forgot about Durant. Oh, my gosh. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah, but those three are my small forwards, okay? LeBron, Kawhi, KD, they're just lords. And then since I already put Jimmy as a shooting guard, I think I'm going to put Jason Tatum ahead of – Paul George as my fifth. I'll put Jason Tatum four, Paul George five. I completely forgot about Durant. So take Brandon Ingram off. Put, push everyone back. Durant's at number two. I'm so I'm so sorry, KD. Please forgive me. Please forgive me if you listen to this. Jacob, what's your top five? All right. So, I mean, obviously coming off a championship year, I have to put LeBron at one still. Until proven otherwise, he has to be number one. Uh, my number two is actually KD over Kawhi. I just, man, just watching KD play, even though he didn't play at all last year, just one game back, and he didn't even have that great of a game. It's just, it's hard not to put him as the second best small forward. Um, and then Kawhi, we all know what Kawhi can do. And then I actually really like Jason Tatum as well. Um, the Celtics team is completely his now, so he has all the offensive freedom in the world. He's just going to run that team. So I think he'll be really good this year. I put him at number four. And then my number five is a toss-up between Paul George and Brandon Ingram. I mean, I I have hated on Paul George enough, um, but I still hate him. I'm going to put Ingram at number five. <laughs> yeah, I, I, Paul George wasn't even a thought for me because what he did to the Pacers a couple years ago. Now we did, <laughs> we did get Sabonis and, and Victor, but for what the Clippers got in return or what the, the, the Thunder got for trading PG and what we got for trading PG – Paul George and and Paul George is Paul George is Paul George. Yes, he. I will never never respect that man ever again as an NBA player. I don't care. This um, is kind of sidetracked, but it just makes me think like how much Paul George um, basically got in a trade. How do you trade for James Harden? If if Paul George got that much and Harden is better, way better than Paul George, how can you even make a trade for him? Just a side note that made me think of. I mean, the only thing I'll say about this with Paul George is you do get. I'm gonna put this in air quotes. You do get defense because he 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 does play really good defense. But I I've also watched him be terrible with the Pacers on defense and with the the Clippers and the Thunder. Um, but he but you do get a two way player in that. And and if I remember correctly, when Kawhi was recruiting players to come to the Clippers, I'm pretty sure the first person he called was Jimmy Buckets, not Paul George. Paul George was like the second or third option. Uh, and I don't know if that if those reports are 100%, but um, so, yeah. I, and then Paul George has got a fat contract, a little bit less than Giannis. So I, I don't know what the Clippers are doing. I think they're throwing away their franchise. Uh, Robin, top five power forwards, sir. Hmm. Um, man, I guess Giannis won AD2 or vice versa. I don't know. I guess I have to put Giannis just because he has two MVPs. AD has a ring, but rings are a team accomplishment, okay? So Giannis won, AD two. Number three, power forward. I don't know. Who can I put as PF? Zion uh, is a power forward, by the way. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. I mean, you don't have to put um, him there. I'm just saying. All right, all right, all right. Let me think. Let me think. Okay. I'm going number three. Sabonis, DeMontis Sabonis. 
Just do whatever you need to do as a power forward. Doesn't do too much, but always does his job. Always does his job. And then I don't know why this guy gets disrespected so much. Every fantasy draft, just everybody skips him. Pascal Siakam. <laughs> um, and then Kate Christoph Porzingis is not healthy right now. So I guess I'll put Mr. Williamson. Hey, all I'm going to say, so Robin was telling me this, Jacob, because we've, we've done two fantasy drafts together, all three of us. And Robin's been talking up Sabonis to you. Uh, and you took you take him, I, I believe, in the third round in, in back-to-back drafts. And both times they were coming back, and I was like, oh, he's coming back. Sabonis is coming back to me and Rob. And you took him in both, and I was like, oh, Robin, why did you have to do that? Sabonis was a diamond in the rough, ranked at 50 or 48th, I believe, in the ESPN. What a, what a terrible ranking because that guy is going to get you almost a 20-20 every game, he's, especially if Turner's hurt and not playing. Um, but, Jacob, what's your top five for the power forward position? Just real quick, I will say, you know I'm always open to trade talks, bro. If you, if you <laughs> like Sabonis, just uh, just send something my way, and I'll I'll, uh, I'll take a look at it. For sure. You just him up, though, so I know he's he's valued pretty high. So. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But anyways, <laughs> my power forwards, I mean, as good as Giannis is, I'm putting AD at number one. I'd go Anthony Davis as the best power forward. Until Giannis can have a jump shot, I don't know. I mean, he's still going to win MVP without a jump shot, but I just think if he added that to his game, he'd be number one, clearly. But I'd go AD at one, Giannis at two. I, I mean, I'm being super biased here. And, I mean, if he's healthy, I'm putting Porzingis at three. Just because how well he can stretch the floor. He's really athletic, and he's stepped it up on defense, I feel like, since he's been in Dallas, at least around the rim. Obviously, it's hard for a seven-footer to play perimeter defense, but I think he's really good when he's healthy. And then I'm going to go Zion at four. I mean, just how well he plays whenever he's getting minutes. I mean, if he can improve his stamina, I think he can be an MVP-type player. And then I'm actually going to go Siakam at five because I think he, like Robin said, is really – really under the radar, but he's a really good two-way player. And I think he's just going to get better. Agreed. Definitely agree. Um, for my list, I, I agree with you on AD being number one. Um, and I think it's because Giannis is, is basically a small forward in a power forward's body, just with no jump shot. So, and, and AD is a true power forward. I do think he is also a center as well uh, mm-hmm. and should be listed as a center as well as KP. But mm-hmm. Um, and that's just because of the way NBA is today. But, yes, AD is number one power forward. And I think I think either player is so good that if you took them to a different team, they would just be great. But I think AD is just a little bit better. And I, and I remember watching him play in person. He is – him and KD are the two smoothest scores I've ever seen. And this was when AD was on the Pelicans. I mean, dude would catch it and not even a squeak of a sneaker on the shoe. And this dude's – and all you hear in the Mavs arena is just the swish noise. I mean, he – he is so smooth with the ball, and then he's obviously a freaking defensive player of the year multiple years. Giannis at two, and again, it's it's 1A, 1B, but um, I do think Giannis is not – his inability to shoot the ball, uh, and and we've seen it in the playoffs how his teams, even though they're the one overall seed, they lose the lower seeds because him being the superstar of the team, he's not. So I, it's tough to put him at the, as the best player in his position. And I'm going to – I agree with you, Jacob. I put Kristoff here at three. 
I do think he's a. I do actually think he is a center though, more than a more than a power forward. Um, but if if he was, if we're listing him as a power forward, I'd put him um, at the three. But I'm gonna put Siakam here. Um, Siakam is the most underrated power forward I believe in the league besides Sabonis. So, um, and what he did after losing Kawhi with the Raptors makes me think that he's really good. And the coaching there is obviously really good. Sabonis at four for me again, I, pacer guy. He is the ultimate Indiana guy. Uh, I love watching him play. I loved watching him play at Gonzaga and to see him come to Indiana a couple years later uh, was awesome. I, the only thing I'll say is I don't like his hair whenever he has it like really high up. That's the only bad thing about him. Uh, and then number five is Zion. It's just because he hasn't proved yet. I, d- I definitely think he'll be in the top three, top two um, in a couple years, though. Just my opinion, though. Could be could be wrong. Um Next up, Jacob, we're going to – this is the last position. We're going to end with centers. So who are your top five centers in the NBA? My number one, I just – I really can't decide between Embiid and Jokic for me. I think – I mean, if there's no injuries, I think I'd go Embiid. He's just so dominant. Jokic can is a better playmaker, but I'd go Embiid because Embiid is really good on defense too. Mm-hmm. So I'd go and beat at one and Jokic at two. Um, my third, I'm actually going to go Towns, Carl Anthony Towns. That dude is a freak for how big he is. And then my number four, actually, I'm putting Sabonis at center. So I'm going to put Sabonis as my fourth ranked center. And then, man, number five, I was going to put Bam out of bio at power forward, but I'm going to put him at center as my top five center. And y'all may have noticed I left Gobert off there. It's because he's absolutely useless on offense. So he's actually overrated in my opinion, but that's just me. Interesting. I mean, I, I don't disagree with that point, but um, I, I, and I think if in a different era, Gobert is way better. But in today's era, yes, he's very useless. I, I'm going, I'm sticking with the Joker at number one. I think what he adds to your point about Gobert, what he adds to the offensive side, his passing ability that whatever, I don't even know what movie you would call it, his little side floater jumper thing um, could be the next sky hook in the NBA. I don't know. I doubt it. But uh, And then what he did this offseason where he lost like, like look, looked like 50 pounds and came a little bit skinnier. I mean, he's he is no joke. And B2, if healthy, and that's a major if. Um, but when he is healthy and he's playing, like he makes the 76ers better. I think if the 76ers, I've said this for years, they need to move on from Simmons or Embiid. Uh, if you want to win now, I would stay with Embiid. If you want to build for the future, stay with Simmons. Um, but Embiid is a dominant big, and I think in any era of basketball, he would be a dominant big. This is where it kind of gets interesting for me because I think of the year he just had, I think the year he's about to have, I'd actually put Bam at three. Um, Bam, Bam is fun to watch. Bam is great. Uh, him and Jimmy Butler play well off of each other. I love watching play so I, i'm putting bam at three i think he's just an overall great guy um and i think he plays hard watching him in the bubble play like he and he even told d wade he was gonna have a blowout year and he ended up having the 16 and 10 year and then he, and so he went and did it and that just that speaks volumes to me so then number four i, I gotta put cat i mean like like jacob said he's a freak of nature um i just think he's a pussy uh, so <laughs> i'll just keep it simple as that him and him and Russell. That's why the that's why the Timberwolves are gonna stay as the worst uh, win loss percentage franchise because he doesn't have it, but he can score the ball and he's really good defensively. 
and offensively. Um, and then number five, this is going to be a surprise, but Nikolai Vucevic. And it's only because I used to always pick him in fantasy because, hey, that dude is a 20 – that dude is like a 40, 50-point guaranteed every week. Um, and, I mean, he's just – he's a very underrated center. But I, 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 to your point, I agree with Gobert. He's, he's, he's just so one-sided. And he started the coronavirus in the NBA, so fuck it. Uh, <laughs> Robin, what's your top five, sir? Um, I guess I have to go with Jokic and then Embiid just because Jokic was able to beat the Clippers and Embiid could not get out of Boston. And then I think... I think Carl Carl right now is a tad bit better than Bam. Uh, Bam had a better season last year, but Carl's rookie season is light years better than Bam's last season. And then I'll put Bam four, and then five. DeAndre Ayton. I'm hoping Chris Paul puts him up. Well, I was going to say my, my dark horse for potential guy to, to jump in here is Aiden, and it's solely because of CP3. Uh, I mean, that dude, uh, he makes everyone better. And, and Aiden is already having great years, uh, and having a guy like Chris Paul at the, at the point will help him tremendously. But that's our those are our lists. I mean, obviously, everyone's got their own opinions. This is a fully opinion, opinionated list of each of us. Um, Again, I'm so sorry, Kevin. I completely forgot about you. I feel so bad. <laughs> Honestly, dude could be number one on my list, and I didn't even put him on the top five. Disrespected him. Um, but that'll do it for our NBA talk. We're going to take a quick ad timeout and hear from our sponsor, Anchor.fm. When we come back, we'll be talking about some college basketball. So you guys can see you guys in a bit. And welcome back. Uh, we're now talking about college basketball. Uh Robin was on the episode, or Robin was on the podcast, the first ever one, and he was talking up this Illinois team. Now, being from Indiana, being from Indiana, I do not like the college Illinois, but they apparently had a really good team, and I think they were ranked in the top ten whenever Robin was on, and now they are five and three. Robin, what has happened to this team? They dropped one to Rutgers. Uh... Not a terrible loss, only lost by three. Rutgers ranked 19. And then I say they lost to Missouri, unranked, also by three points. That one's a bit rougher than the Rutgers loss. And then Baylor, can't hold them to that. Baylor was very good, still is. Um, just looks like, I don't know. I mean, it's a game of matchups, man. It's a game of matchups. Their three best players are still, are still producing. Just seems like... They don't have, I don't know, enough depth. It looks like a lot of 30 minutes per game and then another drop off to 25 and then seven. Yeah. The depth chart is seven minutes per game, three minutes per game. So it doesn't look like they have a lot of depth. It's just, I guess, top heavy team. Hey, the, well, the good thing, well, the bad thing is for them, they play in the Big Ten, which is uh, one of the better conferences in college basketball. We'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's tough to, and, Rutgers surprised me. I didn't know they were going to be good at basketball this year, but they were ranked in the preseason. Um, and so they, I guess apparently they're good at basketball. I guess Rutgers will be a tough team to beat in the Big Ten. Who knew? Um, so let's kind of move on from, from Illinois and talk about some, some big teams. The first one I want to talk about is Kentucky. 
Kentucky's one and five, their first record since their worst record since like I think like the 70s, like 1972 or something crazy like that. Now they it's not that they're playing bad teams and they're losing to bad teams. I mean, they're losing to the top teams in the country, but like are they are they bad at basketball, Robin? Bad at basketball? <laughs> I don't know if I could say that. But it just seems like, I don't know, you know, Kentucky's deal is the same every year. Mm-hmm. Freshman every time. So maybe with all this pandemic stuff going on, Coach Cal couldn't do his normal routine. Something's going on. I don't know, because, I mean, they still got their top prospects, Brandon Boston, Terrence Clark, and even Devin Askew. He's solid. Granted, these guys are not like John Wall, Devin Booker, DeMarcus Cousins in the past, but uh, they're still good for their age. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think Calipari has enough time, I guess, or hasn't had enough time to get what he wants. I'm sure they'll turn it around later in the season. I just can't see them not going to the tournament. So, yeah. Well, did you did you see the reports today on ESPN that apparently Calipari, Calipari um, had to ask a freshman to step away? Cameron Fletcher, I believe his name is. He had to ask him to step away. So I don't know for what reason, but apparently it had something to do with their last loss, um, I guess. But, I mean, when you go to Kentucky, you expect to play these big games, and especially because Kentucky doesn't play the best conference in the SEC when it comes to basketball. Like, they're they're really not that tough. Um, I don't think, as of right now, there's any SEC teams actually ranked in the top 25. So, now I could be wrong on that, but – just off of my top – actually, Tennessee. Tennessee, excuse me, Tennessee. Sorry. But everyone else, they only have one team. So, t- it's t- – it's, you got to win these non-conference games, especially whenever they play in these big tournaments, and they're not doing it this year. So, they might have a tough time being in, but they're, they'll turn it around. They'll probably win the SEC championship at the end of the year, and we'll see. So, hopefully, hopefully Kentucky can turn around because if they play good in the tournament, it always makes for good basketball. And Kyle Perry is a great coach. I think you'll have them, you know, right there at the end playing for a title. Um, next up, there's a there's a really good game. We didn't get to see Gonzaga Baylor earlier this year because it got canceled due to COVID reasons, I believe. But we did get to see Gonzaga Iowa with Luke Garza versus, I guess you can say, Drew Timmy. Now, you know, I want I want to claim him because he's from the Dallas area, so Drew Timmy's ours. Um, but um, your thoughts on this game, Rob? I know you didn't get to watch the whole thing, but your thoughts on the overall game. Jalen Suggs, very good. Uh, he played in high school with a uh, Shet Holmgren, mm-hmm. which is that like seven three kid, really yeah. skinny. Looks like he'll be good. So, and then obviously he goes to Gonzaga where they're already loaded with big men. So it's like a match made in heaven. Drew Timmy, obviously, shout out Richardson JJ Pierce, <laughs> but uh, he's hooping. I still think uh, Luca Garza was the best player on the floor. Um, he might be lottery pick doesn't have much flash but the dude barely misses like he's he's a big man and he still shoots jumpers but he doesn't miss much I don't know he's special I guess he has some Jokic in him I don't know he's a big boy pretty thick smart um I don't know I guess Gonzaga's the favorite they just seem too superior right now do you do you have them as the front runner to win it all this year I mean obviously Baylor's right there with them but as of right now, Gonzaga just looks a little bit more impressive. Yeah, I think they're my favorite. I mean, like, Luca Garza against Gonzaga had 30 points and 10 boards and still lost by 11. 
Yeah. I mean, that just shows they're so like Drew Timmy only had 15 and nine, but they have depth. I don't understand the appeal to Gonzaga, I guess, because, you know, these other Gonzaga, I didn't even know Gonzaga was in Washington. They're, I believe they're in the state of Washington where the school is. Didn't even know that until a couple of years ago. And I was like, why would you want to go to Washington to, to play at Gonzaga? Because they also don't play in a tough com- tough conference. I mean, Rich and, Rich Richmond is, is good at basketball, but that's the only good team you play uh, on a regular basis in the conference, at least. So what's the appeal? But hey, year in and year out, since Sabonis kind of came, they've been a top dog for years to come. And so it's really interesting to, to see how they continue to produce this talent. And Jalen Suggs at the beginning of the year, I didn't even know he was going to be a star, and he's already come out and been a star there. So it'll be tough to, to not pick Gonzaga to win it all this year, in my opinion. Man, J- Jalen is a hooper, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he played football in high school. Can really? He, yeah, dual sport. Hey, those produce the best athletes of those dual sport guys. Um, mm-hmm. But there was a game that they, they played against uh, earlier this year that they beat Kansas. Now, Kansas – did lose that game to Gonzaga, but they've played like multiple top 10 opponents, top 15 opponents in the last couple of weeks, and they've won these close games. Uh, how was Kansas doing this, Rob? Bill Self, I guess. Uh, they, they got they got a lot of young talent. I mean, you know, Marcus Garrett is still there, Dallas mm-hmm. Skyline, and they also have Jalen Wilson, went to Denton Geyer. So they got some oh, yeah. new boys over there. I don't know. I think it's just like with the Blue Bloods, man, they have the culture. No matter if they lose a game, win a game, you know they're always going to be there. They're good. They're always going to be media attention. For sure. And, I mean, I guess – and it, it kind of sucked. Not Kansas wasn't very good – like, wasn't great last year. They And it, and it felt weird to see Kansas not – they they won the Big 12, though. Well, I guess it didn't get played out, maybe. Like, the tournament because of COVID and everything. So, I don't think the tournament got played out. But I think they were like – I don't think they were supposed to win it this year – or last year, excuse me. But, I mean, so far on the resume, they've beaten Kentucky when Kentucky was good and ranked. They beat Creighton. They've beaten Tech. They've beaten West Virginia. They played Texas next. They played Baylor. They played Tennessee. They played West Virginia again. They played – like, they they have one of the toughest schedules. And so, do, so does Baylor, obviously, because they're in the same uh, conference. But uh, it'll be quite interesting to see how they play out. And, I mean, do, do you think – if they if they build up these wins against these top teams, do you think how far do you, how how high is their ceiling? Do you think this year, Kansas' ceiling? Yes. Oh, Final Four, I guess. I mean, I can't see them winning it. Like, yeah, I just think Gonzaga right now. Until I see them lose, like, I don't know if Kansas could do it. Marcus Garrett, what is he a four year guy now? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, that's not too promising. <laughs> Um, especially nowadays, everybody's leaving after a year. But I mean, I got—I guess I have to give some credit to Coach Bill Self. Mm-hmm. He's done it for too long. Got to give him the benefit of the doubt. He probably knows what he's doing. Now, do you do you, uh, they obviously haven't played in a, Baylor has only played five games this year, where Kansas has played eight games. Who who's your favorite in the Big Twelve between Baylor and Kansas to win it all? Just the Big 12 championship. Ooh. I feel like, all right, historically, Kansas is just a better, I don't know. 
University for basketball. But this year, Baylor's pretty good. I think Baylor isn't as young as Kansas, so they'll probably have some maturity. But I do think you can't count out Bill Self. Yeah. You just can't. But yeah, Baylor has better players, I think. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. They play, I believe they play twice this year. So, you know, hopefully we can get that answer before the championship's actually out. Um, but we'll, we'll see. It'll, it'll be interesting. I mean, it's tough to pick against the Jayhawks because, like you said, they have Bill Self and they have that tradition and everything. But I think Baylor beat them last year, like, on a buzzy beater or something at, at Allen Fieldhouse. That's why I think Baylor was going to win it, the Big 12 championship, at least in the regular season. So, who knows? It'll be interesting. But, I mean, talking about the Big 12 and the conference as a whole, I wanted to ask you this question, Rob. There, there's been a lot of good, you know, teams and a lot of good teams and whatever in each conference individually. Which conference this season, um, and then I'll, and then I'll ask, you know, over the entire like NCAA, which season um, is it or not season? Which conference, excuse me, is the toughest this year? This year, oh, hmm. I mean, to give you some insight here. I'm looking at the top, the AP top 25 after week five. We've got Baylor, Kansas, uh, West Virginia, Texas, Texas Tech. Those are yeah. all the teams in the Big 12. Tech almost beat Kansas. Yeah, Tech almost beat yeah. Kansas a couple weeks ago or a week ago, I believe. Uh, the ACC, you've got Virginia Tech, Florida State, Duke, North Carolina. Um, I think that's it. I would normally say ACC. But this year, uh, I think Big Twelve. Well, what about what about the Big Ten, Rob? You've got Iowa, Wisconsin, uh, Rutgers, Michigan State, oh. uh, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio State, Indiana's right outside the top twenty-five. I mean, it's... <laughs> okay. See, the Big Ten. When is the last time a Big Ten team has made it to? the final four who was it was it ohio state team with like I, I think it was michigan state a couple years ago um i don't remember exactly yeah. when but michigan state probably would have been the last team to get there okay yeah i could see Izzo for sure yeah i don't know ohio state just has gone downhill man mm -hmm. they're pretty prestigious but they've gone downhill d'angelo russell was like the last big thing um I guess I have to give Iowa their props. Wisconsin's always good. Yeah. Doesn't matter what year, who they have, they play Wisconsin basketball. That is true. Um, Illinois is pretty good. Not great anymore, I guess, since they have lost a couple. And then Rutgers, ah, man, just because uh, I'm a, I was a Big East guy back in the day with Pittsburgh back there. <laughs> We always kill the Rutgers. I just can't see them, be, see them being good, but they're 6-0 this year, so i got to give them respect, I guess. So, I mean, yeah, you can go with the Big Ten if you want, but I guess I'm just going on past experiences. I feel like the Big Ten always just chokes or, like, underperforms or something. No. I would always say ACC just because of Duke, UNC, Syracuse, things like that, but this year I guess it's not the case. Now, obviously in college football – the SEC ranks king among all other conferences when it comes to playoffs and everything. But who would you say is the SEC when it comes to college basketball? ACC? 
you would say the ACC. So when you I think mean, historically, like UNC, Duke, Syracuse, they have Louisville, Pittsburgh now. Um, I don't know who else. Can't think of it. Where's oh no, Villanova is not there. Hey, you but can't forget have... about can't forget about Notre Dame. Notre Dame's in there. Oh yeah, Notre Dame is there. Only for basketball though. Well, they were for football this year, but yes, oh, they yeah, they yeah. normally they normally are only for yeah. basketball. They signed some deal a couple of years ago that said, you know, all the other sports can play ACC, but Notre Dame will stay independent. And then obviously with COVID this year, uh, yeah, I mean, to credit you, I think ACC is the most consistent. But it, I, I don't get I don't get what it is why there's I feel like when it comes to college football, there's not as many ranked teams in each conference as there are uh, in basketball. Uh, it's weird to me to see all these these crazy high-ranked teams uh, when it comes to each conference. So, you know, it'll be interesting. And then you have, like, teams like Villanova and Houston who aren't in big conferences and, and Creighton, but they're still ranked and they're still good at basketball and everything. So it'll be an interesting year in college basketball. We'll see what happens. But I uh, I expect it to be the, the usual suspects uh, at the top at the end of the year, Gonzaga, Hopefully there will be one Big 12 team in there. I just don't know which one yet. And I could see I could see um, Luke Garza going off at the end of the year uh, for Iowa and kind of you know getting them into the into the March Madness Final Four kind of realm because like you said he's a freaking good scorer. Um, and it, it's crazy to me to think that you said oh he could potentially be a lottery pick. In my mind I'm like dang that dude is working his way to like a top five pick, but it makes sense because because of how old he is. And not to play the race card, but he is white. Um, he he potentially is, is not going to find his team. But if he if he becomes like a a role player on like a playoff team, like dude could change a franchise uh, if he's as good of a scorer. I mean, we've seen it with Duncan Robinson. I mean, dude dude just dude just sits outside and shoots threes, and he's completely helped out that Heat team, and he even starts for them, which is crazy. Um, mm-hmm. But one question I want to ask you before we uh, head off here, Rob. We see all these games, all these these games early on where um, top teams play top teams. How much do these matter when it comes to like end of season? I guess you can say. You know how like we always see the the classics at the beginning of the year where it's like Duke and Michigan State playing on an aircraft carrier. Uh-huh. All these like crazy tournaments at the beginning of the year, but at the end of the day, like no one talks about these games at the end of the season. How much do these early on games really matter in the grand scheme of the season? I mean, in the grand scheme, those games are just for, like, revenue. Okay. Big name, big game, get some more money. But what really matters for, like, teams and coaches is a conference play because yeah. that's how you get the seeding, getting ready for the tournament. But those are basically just, I don't know, see what you can do, have fun, try, obviously try to win the game. But, like, a coach is not going to put something as much emphasis, unless it's, like, a rivalry game, mm-hmm. bragging rights, that type of thing, hate each other. But, yeah, I think conference play is way more important than those gotcha. beginning of the season showcases. Now, was the aircraft carrier game the craziest place that you've ever seen a college basketball game being played? Between yeah, Michigan I mean, and Duke? I've, I've seen it. I remember like a couple of years ago, they had to pause the game because it was too much wind. Yeah. Like, yeah. the shots were starting to sail, and, and they had to pause the game. And so I don't know if it's, like, a good idea necessarily. Obviously, it's cool, but, like, to play basketball, not the best ideal conditions. For sure. And obviously everyone everyone wants to go to the Maui tournament because you want to spend uh-huh. a week in, uh, in Hawaii. And that does it here for the Five Out podcast. 
Uh, thank you guys for listening today. We had a fun time having Jacob on. Uh, he was great to talk to about the NBA. Uh, unfortunately, he had to leave, couldn't hang out with us for college basketball, but that's all right. If you guys want to listen to more of our podcasts, we release episodes every Thursday, uh, and we talk, obviously, about NBA college basketball. Hopefully, in the future, we'll bring on some athletes and interview them, some big-name guys um, who are playing either in college right now or have played some college basketball, maybe even prof some professionals in the future. Hopefully, we'll see. Um, but if you guys want to check out more of our episodes that we release, go to Apple, Spotify, anywhere else you guys find your podcast, check us out. Uh, at five out that's five like the number five ive and then out and then go look us up at twitter at five ive underscore out again that's five ive underscore out and we post daily content there as well thank you guys for listening enjoy this christmas song as we end the episode here no place like home for the holidays for no matter how far away you roam when you long for the sunshine of a friendly gaze for the holidays you can't beat home sweet home I met a man who lives in Tennessee Pennsylvania and some homemade pumpkin pie From Pennsylvania folks are traveling down to Dixie's sunny shore From Atlantic to Pacific, gee the traffic is terrific Oh there's no place like home for the holidays Cause no matter how far away you Pennsylvania folks are traveling down to Dixie's sunny shore. From Atlantic to Pacific, gee, the traffic is terrific. Oh, there's no place like home for the holidays.